Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Crowning Moment. Today, we are doing something a little different than normal. We are going into a new segment on the podcast where we're talking about careers. After pageantry, there is something for you to do, as well as while you're in pageantry. I want to know what kind of jobs you're looking into or possibly already doing. So today, we're bringing on Alex, who is a host and reporter for NASCAR. You heard that right, NASCAR. Growing up in Charlotte, North Carolina. She loved sports and was a part of a very athletic family. She then attended Clemson University in her role today as NASCAR. Alex wears many hats. Her show studio includes recaps of events from previous races, previews of the upcoming races, and interviews with sports' biggest stars. Weekends are spent traveling across the country to racetracks and being a first-hand liaison between the competition on the track and the family of NASCAR fans. Recently, she has added MRN to the resume and serves as a pit road reporter to one of NASCAR's most prestigious networks. She lives currently lives in a bi-coastal life calling Los Angeles and Charlotte both home. So let's go ahead and welcome Alex to the conversation. Hello, how are you? I'm doing well, Casey. Thanks for having me. Um, I apologize. I just got done with like a Pilates class, so I look so <laughs> gross, but here we are. Awesome. No, you look great. Do not even start Thank stressing you. that. This is not, this is nothing crazy. We're not, you know, we're not winning any Emmys tonight. Yeah, no, no, we're not. <laughs> I love it. So let's go ahead and just talk straight into it nascar what brought mm-hmm. you into choosing that path of being a reporter and host for nascar yeah it kind of i hate to say this but it kind of really fell into my lap and obviously we'll get into the later years and how hard it's been and the work that it's required but as far as my career path um when i first went to college i went to clemson university and i thought i was going to go into the medical field i loved science growing up um i loved working with children. So I was like, you know what, we're going to go and we're going to be either a pediatrician, a pediatric surgeon, pediatric PA, like that we're going to do something to help all the sick babies. And that was what I was going to do. So I went to school and uh, planned on getting a biological sciences degree at Clemson. And I took one organic chemistry class and one anatomy class. And it was like, all right, might not be saving might not be saving the babies because I cannot do this for like 10 more years. Um, much respect to our doctors in the medical field, but I don't know how they did it for so many years in school. But I was working for the Clemson football team at the time. Um, and they, it was the start. Can you believe it? I know we're going to be on YouTube with this, but it was the start of YouTube. So they were like, hey, we have these two new platforms called Twitter and YouTube. And we're going to start recording practices and having somebody walk around with a microphone and interview our players. And we're just going to toss the stuff up on Twitter and YouTube. Um, So I was working a lot with like these social media platforms that nobody even really knew about and um, started hosting practice sessions, interviewing players on the team at that time. And also working with recruiting. So then I was like, you know what? Medical field didn't work out. Let's try sports and see what we can do. At the time, it was basically like Aaron Andrews and Samantha Ponder, um, Carissa Thompson. They were like very few and far between when it came to females in the industry. So it was kind of unheard of that that was something that like, oh, okay, good luck. You know, it was good luck doing that. Um, Four years later, worked at Clemson, interned with ESPN throughout college, 
got a great opportunity with um, the ACC Digital Network. Used to be owned by Raycom Media, but got a, a really good opportunity with Raycom Media following school. So did that for a year, and then um, I just happened to open up LinkedIn one day, and there was a message from an employee. She no longer works in NASCAR, but she was like, hey, we have this position open. Would you be interested? And I was like, oh, I know nothing about that sport. I think you have the wrong girl. Like, don't know anything. I was covering football and baseball at the time. And um, she was like, no, 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 that's kind of what we would like, a fresh perspective to get some, you know, diversity and and a different voice in the sport. Um, And I was like, sure. So I went down to Charlotte, which is where I was from. I was living down in Georgia at the time um, and did an interview. And about three weeks later, I had a job at NASCAR, clueless in meetings, like actually clueless. But I'm on my sixth year now. So I know I know a little bit more, hopefully now. That is amazing, but such an interesting background, you know, coming in, wanting to do medical and then turning out to be a reporter being on TV. That is, that is pretty amazing. And definitely two different paths behind being in surgery or being behind (laughs) hospital walls to being front and center. That's awesome. But I want to talk a little bit more of, you know, you you decided afterwards you didn't want to do the medical field and you're going into those sports uh, for Clemson football, doing sideline reporting. What did that look like in the beginning? You know, it was just kind of, they threw you into it. How was that? How did you handle all of that? Yeah. So it was um, gentlemen that are, one is still there. One's moved on from Clemson, but Rick Bagby, who's the director of the athletic video production company. And then um, Chad Morris, who was the offensive coordinator at the time at Clemson was like, Hey, just take a microphone, talk. Here's what you need to say. Like, if you have any questions, ask the players. They'll know what to say. Like, just have some fun with it. And it was literally, like, either myself kind of – you have to realize this was, like, before selfies. Like, we were in, like, the MySpace, Facebook kind of era. So I was, like, holding out the phone that was – you know, it looks like it was, like, shot on a potato now. You, like, look back at some of these videos. I'm like, oh, my – Gosh, that's terrible. Or it was like a coworker of mine, like another student um, employee of the football program that would just walk around with me at practice. Um, now Clemson football is like, you know, the forefront and the really like the pioneer when it comes to social media and sports. But that was how I got started. So it was just like a little mini mic attached to either a phone or a camera. Horrible quality. Um, and we would just like walk around and talk. And now it's turned into this whole big thing uh, over there at Clemson football and they're killing it. But uh, it was such a fun time in my life. And it really, I don't know if I would have wanted to pursue it as a career as hard as I did, if it hadn't have been such a blast. And I had so much support at Clemson and I was like, you know what, this is the most fun ever. Uh, and there's an opportunity for this as a job. So I took it and ran with it. That's amazing. So after Clemson, you got an internship with ESPN is what you had said. You know, how did that really come to be? Did they see your content that you had already done with Clemson and they were like, this is our girl? Or how, how did that work with ESPN? Yeah, so they actually have a program. Um, I don't even know if it's a thing anymore, but it used to be called Campus Connection. Uh, and they would pick like one student at schools to kind of be an intern and a liaison, um, like from that school to ESPN. So if they needed to do, you know, we need this video of a football player and we need it by Tuesday, they would contact me or email me. Sometimes they would send a crew out or not, but otherwise it was kind of me that would go and do that or an interview or, Hey, go get this quote from, 
you know, whoever, whatever athlete on campus so that we can run it during our shows. Um, I don't know if they still do that or not. Um, but yeah, so that's how I got started with ESPN during school and then did internships my junior and senior year. And then um, through that, the ACC Digital Network worked a lot with ESPN and they actually got bought out by ACC Network, which is owned by ESPN. Um, so it just kind of all tied together and worked out really, really well. But it was just a lot of me sending emails, a lot of going into coaches' offices and being like, I, what can I do? How can I do this? Um, I've lived at the video production office with all the athletic production people there um, and really just kind of found opportunities and created them. And I don't know at the time, people thought I, literally people thought I was crazy. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And um, I it really, the best advice that I could give, especially girls that are in college right now is you have to make those opportunities. They're not going to create themselves a lot of times. So bug the heck out of people. And the worst they can tell you is no. I mean, that's the worst answer you're going to get. So go into the offices, knock on doors, make connections, build that while you're young, have fun in college, you know, do what you got to do, but also at the same time, go knock on some doors and create some opportunities for yourself. That, and that's really good advice there too. And I like how you said that, you know, the opportunities aren't going to just make themselves. You really do have to go out there and just start making things happen. And I'm, I'm glad you said that because I think a lot of people need to hear that. Most people that, you know, some things maybe just come easy to them or they just have a good bit of luck and stuff just keeps happening. But mm -hmm. on the backside of it, you're like, the, the person that's out there struggling of like, how do I get these opportunities to happen? Go out there and do them yourself. Make them for yourself. Knock on those doors. But I want to talk about when you sat down for your NASCAR interview, what was that like? How, how, did, how did the answers and the questions come from the people that were asking you to take on this role? Yeah, so it was a lot more about, um, and I actually got started more so on working with like our partners and our sponsors side of things. So when it was kind of a split role at the time, um, and it was going to be, you know, there's these opportunities that are on camera and to report, but we need also help on this side with our partners and our sponsorships. And luckily with Clemson and the classes that I had taken, um, I understood, you know, marketing and I have always loved being creative and kind of filling that avenue and coming up with some different activations or if there's campaigns that partners or sponsors want to work on, if there's ideas with the drivers or so I was able to kind of navigate the business and the communications world of the interview more so than I was like the NASCAR side of the interview. So they would be like, Oh yeah, yeah. You know, we have this driver right now. Da, da, da. And I'm like, Sounds great. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so great. I don't know who he is, but great. Uh, and my grandfather was a diehard. It's funny. We have that in common. My grandfather was a diehard NASCAR fan. Never missed a race. Loved, loved, loved the sport. Um, so I knew enough. Like I, I knew the premise of it. I knew what was happening. Um, I knew like the big names like Dale Jr., Jimmy Johnson, Jeff Gordon. Um, but other than that, I didn't know a thing. So it really was just more so I'm like focusing on like what the job was going to be, the leadership skills of things, what role they needed me to fill, um, you know, my, my abilities as far as editing and social media platforms. And uh, luckily I had enough experience on that side of things that the NASCAR and the sport itself came later. 
That is awesome. But yeah, I love how you also have a grandparent that that, you know, that was their thing, their go-to. My grandma would, every time we go over there, it, it didn't matter. It was race time. Yeah. Everyone yeah. stopped. We all sat down. She was a huge Jeff Gordon. Like we have 24 oh, okay. on pillows and we have like little race car pillows that has the car on it. And uh, my dad and grandpa back in the day used to work for DuPont. And so that oh, was like, yeah. that was their person. Um, so now she's a big Chase Elliott fan. She's a huge yeah. Chase Elliott. Yeah. She had to get someone new. She's like, I gotta get someone new and fresh. Jeff is gone. <laughs> I know. Yeah. yeah. She, my, she definitely loves that. My grandfather was a diehard Bill Elliott fan. Uh, and he passed away um a while ago, back when I was in middle school. Uh, but that was kind of my father figure for my life. So anything that like he said and did was just the coolest thing of all time. So like Bill Elliott in my household was the like unspoken best person on <laughs> earth. Um, so I'm sure now, like if he were still living, I'm sure he would be a Chase fan as well. Cause he would obviously have to pass down the bloodline. Absolutely. And so I want to talk a little bit more of, you know, the NASCAR side of things. Who would you say has been your easiest driver that you've had to do interviews mm. with? So these are probably different answers because the best person, as far as always being kind to the media, he's always going to give you an interview. He's never going to have any different attitude than what he always does is Joey Logano. But as far as like, if you need a funny TikTok or you need somebody to come up and give you the exact answer that you know they're going to give you. And it's like, oh man, this is going to be such a good sound bite. It's Kyle Busch. He's like the best ever. And like the camera starts rolling and he can turn it on instantly. Um, I have struggled sometimes and it's just athletes and also people that aren't used to cameras and you know, when you come up to them and you're like, Hey, I need you to do this for me. They're like, Oh, okay, sure. Like and sometimes you can tell if they're a little uncomfortable. Kyle Bush, you can be like, Hey, I need you to do this. And he's like, okay, got it. Camera rolls, <laughs> nails it first take every single time. He's incredible. Uh, but the, the nicest guy is Joey Logano for sure. That is so funny. Okay. Have you ever had any sort of interviews where it was just like a bluff interview? You're like, Oh gosh. Okay. Just stop rolling. We need to redo. This was just not it. On my side. Yes, on your side. Yes, so many times. My first couple of years doing, and I don't know, now I know them all and it's a little bit different, but obviously when you're like, one of my very first interviews was Matt Kenseth, who was known to be like, not a bad attitude. He just was one of those guys where you had to know your stuff. You had to spit out facts with him. Like he would call you out if like some you said something wrong or so one of my very first interviews, of course, they're like, hey, we're going to have you go, you know, at Char it was at Charlotte Motor Speedway at the time. We're going to have you go interview Matt Kenseth. And I was like, oh, no, this is going to be so <laughs> bad. And I was like on the brink of like barely learning the sport. Like I knew enough to where I could talk about it. But that was about it. Um, and I asked him a question and he was very nice about it, but he was, you know, kind of had to explain to me like, hold on, hold on, let me tell you how to ask this. And it was one of the nicest moments he ended up handling it really, really well. And luckily we weren't live. So I was able to sound a lot smarter than I was at the time. Um, but that was, that was the biggest one that I remember like holding the microphone, like out to him, like <laughs> shaking. You can like visibly see me shaking in the interview, but there's been so many, so many. 
That is too funny. And you mentioned you do work with families as well. What is that like when you're having to go up and, you know, do a whole family interview or is it just you just have the driver and then the family's behind them? How does that work? Yeah, it depends on the event, right? So it's, you know, at races, they'll sometimes have their wife or their kids there. So you'll sometimes just kind of pass a microphone and the kids are my favorite part. No offense to our drivers, but their children are the cutest things in the whole world. Um, So anytime you can get a kid, uh, that's like, you know, television magic and gold, people eat that stuff up. So we'll try and do that as much as we can. Um, But then we also host, you know, live red carpet shows that are NASCAR awards at the end of the year. Um, We have some other events that families hold NASCAR Hall of Fame uh, induction ceremony, there will be families. So sometimes it is families. Um, Not very often, but NASCAR is definitely a family sport. So the families are always around. So you become super familiar with them. It's not uncomfortable at all. We most of the time know the wives, the kids, the girlfriends, um, whoever it may be. We've all kind of hung out together and had interactions together where it's not like, oh, what's her name again? It's usually pretty, pretty standard and pretty easy. Okay, so I want to ask you before we get into like some real NASCAR tea, um, what would you say is your favorite uh course that they do like which place is your favorite mm, yeah so I Charlotte is my home track obviously so I love Charlotte I have to give that answer um Talladega has become a favorite of mine it is so much fun beautiful area of Alabama uh weather is usually always great knock on wood um so Talladega is a fun one the Bristol night race uh which is later in the year that'll be coming up in September it is That's like the bucket list that I tell everybody. Like you have to go to the Bristol night race. It's just the best. Uh, And then Sonoma wine country out in Napa. is like the most beautiful scenic here. And you feel like you're like in Italy. Um, That's awesome (laughs) as well. So those are my favorites. Um, See if I'm leaving anyone out. I think I hit them on. Then obviously Daytona 500 is just the Daytona 500. It's super bowl of our sport. So that one's incredible. Um, but yeah, so I would probably, if I had to rank them, Talladega would be number one. Don't tell anybody I said that, though. <laughs> Everyone's <laughs> going to know now. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so like I said, NASCAR T, I want to really know, what does a day-to-day life look like for you or even weeks on end when you're traveling to all the different places that they're racing for that weekend? Yeah, so during the season is crazy for us. Um, Obviously, for folks that don't know the sport, every single weekend is at a different racetrack. So we're not, you know, at the same venue like an NFL team or even traveling to the same couple of venues throughout the year. Um, It is all over the country, all different parts of the country, and um, it's the longest season in professional sports. So we start the first week of February with the clash which is out here at the los angeles memorial coliseum and then we end in phoenix uh, for our championship the week before thanksgiving so it's a long season um it goes nonstop. it's basically rounds out to about 42 weeks of travel once everything's said and done so my week um mondays are usually travel day home if i can't fly out on sunday night after the race depending on where we're at Uh, Tuesday is all day in studio. I shoot studio shows that day, Wednesday and Thursday are what I like to call like my hair appointment and laundry days. Cause I like go get my hair done, go get, you know, a facial, uh, do my laundry, take some notes for the upcoming races, make sure that my cat is fed. That's always a good one. Um, and then 
Fridays, we usually travel out. Thursdays, sometimes if it's a long distance, we'll fly out on Thursday nights. But Friday mornings are travel out days for me. So I travel to the racetrack and then I am there Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So Friday and Saturday are like practice sessions. So it's three different series. There's the truck series, the Xfinity series, and the cup series, which a lot of people do not know that. They don't know that it's just one big race on Sunday. So like Friday nights usually are the Craftsman truck series races. Saturday we'll have practice sessions again, and then we'll have the Xfinity race. And then Sunday is the cup series race, which is our version of, you know, the NBA, the NFL. Those are the best, the best drivers in the whole world. So that happens on Sunday, but I'm usually there about 9am Friday morning to about 10pm Sunday nights, depending on race time. Wow. That is crazy. That is a busy week. You said 42 weeks, mostly out of the Yeah, it's normally season. about 42 weeks. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty, you get to week, you hit week like 12 or 13 and you start thinking like, okay, I'm tired. And then you kind of just kick into, all right, this, this is life. Like this is how we roll every week. And then you get to the last eight races of the year and you're like, yep, who's somebody win? Don't care. I'm packing the same clothes I've packed for the last six weeks. I've barely done laundry. Like, I'm out of underwear. You know, it's just, like, the main. You just, like, keep it going. Um, and then you get to the championship, and there's this whole high of a championship weekend. It's just so much fun. Um, but it's a long it's a long year. Okay, so then I ask you, how do you, like, pack for something like this? I know, I mean, with weather, you never know what it's really going to be mm-hmm. when you get there. How do you pack for that? I have recently in the last probably season become like the carry on queen. I used to check a bag. Then I started losing them. Airlines started losing them. I am an overpacker. I'm like definitely like a girl's girl. I have like, you know, two hair dryers, two brushes. You got to have like three makeup bags just in case you need them. Um, That kind of stuff. So I've toned it down a lot over the last couple of years. Um, But definitely I always pack a rain jacket uh, cause you just never know. And it can say it's not going to rain and I promise you it'll rain. And I always have like a beanie or gloves just because, um, a couple weeks ago we were out in Vegas. Everybody packed like short sleeves, you know, casual long sleeves. Cause it's Las Vegas. It's going to be hot. It was freezing cold. I had on three jackets, gloves, beanies, um, it was insane. An auto club out in LA, Fontana, California, uh, it snowed. So never really know with the weather. Um, and, and then just, I, I like to do a good blazer on race day. So I'll always have a blazer in my bag and then just a lot of t-shirts, black slacks, white, black t-shirts, button downs. Um, and that's pretty much it. What kind of shoes do you wear for this? That yeah, is my next question because with you walking on, you know, asphalt, yeah. like uneven roads at some point, walking through different areas of tracks, what is that yeah. like? Yeah. So I always wear, they're my track shoes. It's like platform converse just because I feel like I'm in a heel a little bit and I get that little bit of height. But um, that is like by the end of the day, your feet will ache. So any other shoe besides a good, comfortable tennis shoe. Yeah. It's not happening for me. That is funny. Have you ever dressed just like completely inappropriate for the, for the occasion and not even knowing that or what to expect going into something like that? Um, my first couple of times at the racetrack, 
were probably not my best outfits. Like when I wore a dress, which is fine. Everybody else can wear a dress, but it's just when you're running around and you're kind of, you know, in the garage and, you know, needing to be in a professional <laughs> setting. Dress was not my best choice. Um, so I've worn <laughs> one dress to the racetrack and that is all I've ever worn. One and done. Uh, and then we garage walls, usually for those of us that work in the garage is closed toed shoes, long pants. You have to have the majority of your sleeve um, covered. And that's just for like safety reasons, just for, for you know, fumes, uh, gas leaks, oil, whatever that may be, cars are going, you know, 30 miles an hour in the garage, pulling in and out. So it's like a head on a swivel type of situation. So that's just for, for safety. But you'll start to see my outfits slowly get a little more comfortable as we go throughout the year, just because then I'm <laughs> like, okay, we're going to wear basically as close to pajamas as we can get. I love that. Okay, so when it comes to fashion and designing your outfits for going into a race day, do you do this all yourself? Or do you have someone that like gives you ideas or styling for this? Or do you take inspiration from other reporters out there? Yeah, so it's all me, no stylist. Um, I also have a mother who has incredible fashion sense. Uh, so she, I guess, passed her fashion sense down to me, which I got lucky with that one. Um, she also still helps me pick out my outfits. Like what girl doesn't need their mom to tell them what to wear. Uh, so that that's too. a big one for me is my mom. But I also, I definitely look at, um, you know, Erin Andrews is a huge inspiration to me as far as how she carries herself, the class level, what she wears. Um, she's primarily like in a blazer, a good, you know, blazer outfit, a good suit outfit, keeps it simple but with that like sass and that girly kind of fashion sense that you can bring so I look at her outfits a lot uh and then basically just kind of pick what I like it's all about comfort for me but also at the same time I have to worry about you know what colors look good with me and my skin tone and my hair on camera um what is slimming, what does not look great on camera. I wore puff sleeves that were very trendy and very popular at the time, but puff sleeves photograph terribly. So I had like, after I did the interview on camera, all of my tweets were like the Seinfeld pirate shirt episode and like sending me pirate memes and you know, the whole thing. So we didn't wear that shirt. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is, wow. I didn't even think about that. When it comes to you, you're going to be live. People are going to, yes. you know, people yeah. always have something to say about oh, everything always. you wear, everything you do. Um, but talking about, you know, having to go with getting ready for these things or getting yourself set. Do you have like a pre go into the track or get ready for a, to report like a pre ritual kind of thing? Do you have anything like that? Um, so I always have a morning coffee. So I always stop kind of my thing when I'm on the road is I really like to try local coffee shops. So I'll kind of do my research the night before, but you will always see me rolling into the racetrack with an iced coffee in hand. Like always. I've, I don't think I've ever not had a coffee in my hand when I've pulled into the racetrack. Uh, and then I have like a racetrack playlist that is going to be super embarrassing for me to say these out loud, but it's like the most eclectic choices of music ever we have like the Fleetwood Max and like oh okay but then we also have like the old school Brooks and Dunn and the ice cream paint job the song like you know I mean like yeah <laughs> so embarrassing 
but there, there's just like a whole list of probably 40 songs. So I put that on. I just let it shuffle through just to get me like pumped up, amped up in a mood. Because I, I mean, in doing pageants, you guys will know this as well, too. But you have to be turned on. It's like a personality that you have to bring. And it doesn't matter if you have had a bad day, if the hormones are flaring that day, if you look like you can cry, if something's happened. It's like, oh, nope, that doesn't matter. You have to flip that switch and turn it on. Um, so I try to get myself in the right mindset, but I think that's pretty much it. My coffee and my playlist. I love that. But you are so correct with that. Having to have that on, it's the turn mm -hmm. on mode of like when you're walking into your interview or even when you're going to do a report on that track, you're like, okay, in the zone, yep. nothing else matters in this moment. And that's one of the things like people always say like between pageant girls. And I know this just from doing the reporting stuff myself is I don't always prep what I'm going to say, but I always think it. And so then mm -hmm. I don't think we're really practicing or, you know, like a ballerina does her steps many different times before she actually does it on stage. But like for pageant girls and doing reporting, it's like, I need to talk to myself up here. Oh, so yeah. I know I don't sound crazy when I actually say it out loud because I don't want to just start spitting things out at people and they think you're crazy. And so yeah. I'm really glad you said that because it is truly like a personality you have to click on of like, okay, let's go. You're like fitting into the character of whatever that career you're doing or whatever that job is that you have to do for that exact day. Um, but I want to ask you, you know, when all the cameras are off and it's just you hanging out, what, what is Alex like when that is all, when all the cameras are off? Oh, I'm like super chill. I, um, I literally, the older I get, like more boring I become. Um, so I've been looking at a bunch of house stuff lately, just moved, uh, into a new place in Los Angeles. So we've been, I, my whole Instagram feed is like saved, you know, inspo from all these designers that I know I'm not going to be able to afford, but looking at home stuff has been a recent hobby that I did not, if you'd asked me five years ago, never. Um, but I love to shop. I love fashion. When I have had a bad day, it is like retail therapy is my jam. That is, I have to go like buy something, yes. whether it's like Target, I don't care, the mall, like wherever. I have to go purchase something, which is a horrible habit. Girls don't start the habit, but yeah. it's an expensive habit. Uh, and then I love Pilates. I love yoga. I am always in a workout class. I love my hot girl walks. So I'll have like a coffee and I go on walks all the time. I love being outdoors. So I like to get outside. Um, and then I just really like hang with the friends and fam. And I have a Siamese cat named Bennett who's like the love of my life. So I hang out with him the majority over people, which is <laughs> great. Um, and yeah, just chill. I love reality TV. So I've been watching like all the housewives, Vanderpump rules. That's like my mindless, like flip the switch, turn the mind off. Um, but yeah, I, I am the probably the most boring person. I wish I had like some exciting answer for you, but it really is when you're on the road that much. And I love to travel, um, but I travel all the time. So when I am able to kind of take some time and chill and relax at home, I am literally doing nothing. Okay, so I ask you with that, you know, you chill when the cameras are off, but you're on when it's time to go. You know, what is a piece of advice to if someone wanted to go into this career path or something similar to it? What is your advice to just tell them to go ahead and push into it, do it, even though it may be tough some days? Like, how do you just, you know, keep yourself going? Yeah, first one is to be yourself. I learned very quickly that 
when I tried to be something that I wasn't or when I tried to ask questions like somebody else in my field would, it came across as not genuine and not myself. And it was a heck of a lot harder for me than to just go out there and be myself and have my own personality and ask the questions that I want to ask. Um, so that took a, you know, a year or two to learn for me of like, stop, stop, just stop trying so hard. You don't have to be something that you're not just go out there and do the best that you can do. So that's the first one. Um, second one is also like, stop comparing yourself to other people. Comparison is the true thief of joy. I always tell people that when you see somebody and, you know, they're a year or two older than you or even a year or two younger than you and they seem to be further. They have a title that you want. You know, they won that pageant that you didn't win or even for me in my career. It's there's so many females now in sports broadcasting that it is sometimes often very hard for me to turn my brain off on the sense of like, Oh, this girl has something like how, why don't you have this yet? Why aren't you on this level of the network job? Why aren't you doing this? Um, and it's still, I mean, people we're going to be 80 years old and still probably doing that. But that has been a lesson that I have been trying to teach my own brain for many years. Um, and then last but not least is just work hard, like never stop being a student, never, be above an opportunity. If this is truly something that you want to get in, it is such a competitive field. And it's exactly like pageants. Like think of it as like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to get this crown. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to go work out. I'm going to study my craft. I'm going to practice my interview skills. I'm going to look in the mirror and practice my smiling and see what side and what angle is best for me. But I also have a sport or have, you know, an industry or a charity or whatever it may be, you know, I'm trying to relate it to the pageant world. But for me, it's um, knowing my sport. So I have read so many things on the sport. I ask so many questions. I have truly never stopped being a student. I hope I never stop being a student. And there are a lot of people that are a lot smarter than me. So I've learned to ask those people and um, yeah, just work work really, really hard. And I promise you will outwork anybody else in the room. So you don't even have to worry about comparing yourself because then you'll just outwork everybody. I absolutely love that. And I feel like I personally needed to hear that one. So thank you so much because yeah, sometimes you do put in all that work and then you're looking at the people that are above you and you're like, well, yeah. I want to be at that next level. What do I do? And I, I do, I've been very good about, you know, going to them and talking to them and like, well, how did you do this? You know, picking their brain. And it's not that I'm trying to be like, oh, I'm better than you now. Yeah. It's like, no, I genuinely want to know. And I was reading a thing probably a few months ago now. It was like the most successful people are not going to be the ones that put you down. They're going to be the ones that will tell you exactly how they did it because those true successful people really do want to see other people succeed. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that through what everything we've talked about this entire podcast, I hope that people take away from is you're in a really hard line of work, but you're working so hard at what you do. And I like the fact of, you know, still being a student, being that sponge, soaking up all of that information around you, because it's only going to make you and your career better at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, but we have, we've have come to that point in the podcast where I like to ask everyone the same final question, and I'm going to make yours obviously pertaining to your job. So are you ready? Sure. All right. In what way has your career positively impacted you? Hmm. Yeah, my career has been the best thing that has ever happened. It's taught me responsibility. It's taught me hard work. 
It's taught me accountability, um, but it's also allowed me to meet myself. I think that's like the most important thing. And I, there is no better feeling than it may not be the best interview I've ever done every single time, or it may not be, you know, I may have an off day, but at the end of the day, I still know that I'm me. Like I'm, I'm still, I'm still proud of who I am. I'm still being myself. Um, and it, it really is in the best and the worst way when you are able to watch yourself back and it's being recorded and you can see things about yourself that you like, that you don't like. Um, it really is like the best mirror. And there are a lot of folks that I think get intimidated by that. Um, by being able to see your flaws, I think seeing your flaws and knowing how to fix your flaws and work on them is such an important trait for folks to have. Um, it allows you to become a stronger human, a better human, of just a more at peace human, knowing that you have flaws that you're going to mess up. But yet at the end of the day, you're like still the best version of yourself. Um, so my career has allowed me to really have a blast and really discover myself. So I think that's super important for females, especially um, to be really proud of who you are. Don't let people change you. Don't let people tell you that you're too much, do less, like all of that nonsense. You do exactly what you want to do, be exactly who you want to be. Um, yeah. So I, I, did, I definitely have NASCAR to thank for that because it is, it has allowed me to have a really, really fun journey in the last six years. That is truly amazing. And I really do hope that people take a lot out of this episode. I know I have. Um, and for anyone that is interested in talking with you further, Alex, um, would you like to tell everyone what your Instagram handle is or even Twitter that they can reach out to you on? Sure. Uh, I'm the same on Instagram and Twitter. It's just Al, A-L underscore Weave, W-E-A-V-E. Perfect. Alrighty. Well, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode. And I really did appreciate you taking time out of your busy, busy schedule to join <laughs> us to tell us a little bit more about your career in reporting. And I hope our listeners out there, whether you're on YouTube, watching it, or listening on all podcasting platforms, I hope that you got something out of this. Don't forget to check out at Crowning Moment Podcast on Instagram and YouTube weekly so you can see what new episode and what new content we're coming up with. But for now, you never know what happens in the future, so I guess you'll have to check out next week on another episode of The Crowning Moment. Bye, guys!